Hey everyone, Nathan Hayes here, IDOX Practice Finance Consultant, and want to give um, some reflections on what reopening is looking like, um, some thoughts on what's happening in practices, and um, thoughts on things that maybe we want to keep doing even after this. So just impetus for this is this, we've been tracking our members' patient volume and revenue per exam through this entire um, COVID-19 for our IDOC Insider members. One of the interesting things we're seeing is that Revenue per exam is spiking quite a lot. And now some of this is just a fluke that you have almost no comprehensive exams being done during shutdown and some revenue coming in from either receivables or from contact lens sales, emergencies. And so just definitionally that, that makes the revenue per exam look really high because the denominator of comprehensive exams is zero or very low. Um, but even as we've started to reopen, Practices are reporting that, hey, patients are buying. Um, patients are, you know, they seem to be kept whole, at least in the parts of the country where we are reopening. And so I wanted to get some thoughts to, to why that might be that, that um, practices seem to be doing better and maybe some applications you can carry forward. So a couple of things on theories of why maybe capture rates are higher in the reopen phase. Now, one would be obviously that we're cherry picking patients at some level. They've been desperate to come in. They have money they've been wanting to spend and the ones that want to spend are the ones coming in first. Okay, that that's fine and, and probably true to some extent, although not necessarily entirely the case. So what, what else could be happening? I mean, one, some owners are reporting, hey, we're going a little slower. And because of that, our patients are actually buying. Now, we're taking a little more time to explain product, explain benefits of the product, so we, we've been on a premise, I think, of, of late that online is just going to eat into our optical sales. And so instead of actually competing to keep those sales in-house, let's just go fast, get as many professional fees as we can and move them on. And, and maybe we were wrong in actually trying to keep people in-house and make the case of why our glasses are great. Um, they're doing that. I think that, that comes in two forms, by the way, just, and this is for all times, not just in the midst of COVID-19 recovery. Um, one aspect of that argument would be something like, hey, we've worn the good stuff, the medium stuff, and the bad stuff. So we've worn what we offer. Nice. You know, what am I wearing? Tom Ford with Nizen with um, uh, Crizal Sapphire on it. You know, lovely, lovely lens, nice glasses, lightweight, well-made, et cetera, high fashion, hopefully. Tell me what you think in the comments. Um, but, you know, we sell really nice stuff. And then we've worn Warby Parker stuff. We've worn Zenny Optical stuff. And we can just tell you that there's a difference between this frame with this high-end lens, high-end AR versus the livability of even a step-down AR getting down into the more mid or low price product, uh, especially on the lens. It's going to smudge more easily. It's going to collect dust more easily. Um, you know, the, the frame construction, just not the same. Durability is not the same. Um, and we know that in our guts, in our hearts. And, and we really think you should buy your glasses here because they're better. So that's part of it. That's one thing we should be doing. Uh, another thing that, that part of the case would be, hey, our opticians are really good both at frame styling and more on opticians a little bit, but great on frame styling um, and great on quality control too. So I had an instance where I had a pair of um, lenses comp to me last year, which was lovely. Thank you to um, the company that did that. And so I ordered them. They come in. I ordered uncuts, thankfully. Bring them to my local office to get edged. And one of the lenses didn't have AR on it. The optician caught it immediately and just, hey, you know, one of these doesn't have AR. It's like, no, seriously. And so we ordered them, got them fixed. But it, it reminded me the importance of if, if for a standard of care argument, if we want to keep 
the same prescription that a patient sees with Ropter all the way through to their glasses. The only way as a practice you can control that and ensure your patient has their best vision is to, to control that pair of eyewear. So I think we, we don't sell enough the value of professional opticians in our process um, as we're looking at these things. So that, that's one. And a final one I would say just right now with patients would be how many people do you really want handling your eyewear? So we're trying to limit contact with people for safety of everyone. And listen, if you let us do your glasses, we'll be the only ones touching it. So I think there's, there's some value there. Um, talked to an owner yesterday, so it's Friday, um, 29th of May, and was asking her this question, what they were seeing in her office. She's in South Florida. And a part of her take was, she actually uh, quoted my dad back to me, who had done a study back in the late aughts, I guess, um, that if it takes more than 40 minutes for a patient to get through the clinic to the optical, their expected spin on eyewear goes down. Because frankly, they budgeted about an hour to be in your office. And if they get dumped into optical after 45 minutes, 15 minutes just isn't enough to make a purchase decision on both the fashion, the styling, and the lens design on an $800 pair of glasses. So um, because they were front-loading their um, intake forms and everything, it's just the clinic time was going faster, but just limiting exposure, if nothing else, and had the impact of... Um, of increasing optical sales because patients have more time to spend with the optician. Uh, now that's kind of counter to the idea of going faster, but maybe the better argument is how, how much slack time do your patients have in the office? And are we getting, is this a great reason to trim up the time patients spend with the effect of giving more time to shop for glasses and maybe spend more on eyewear in the end. And it's about correcting the doctors and the staff by limiting all that clinic time, that near end time. I know opticians have to be close too. But, um, you know, maybe that's a knock-on benefit that we want to continue to see. How do we continue doing that even if we don't have to fully mask up and PPE ourselves during those patient times? This is a good thing to do because it's a good thing to do. Um, another thing that, that's happening is because we don't want our patients wondering our opticals touching everything. Um, what if your optician was pre-selecting five frames that they think would look great on your patient's face? And so now the optician is actually styling the patient and curating a collection of eyewear that, you know, when practices do that, guess what happens? Capture rate goes up because the patient has more confidence that they look good, one, and, and it takes away a lot of the, the guesswork of what would look good on me. And you can obviously ask some questions beforehand. Um, and some patients will know what they want. Some patients won't. But, you know, a good optician who's listening um, and considering what the patient needs to, to hold their lens um, so if it's progressive, making sure you have enough, enough seg height, for instance. But, but just making what would look good on your face, what's the color scheme, what's the palette, what do you want, um, can, can simplify things a lot and increase capture rate. Uh, heard a quote the other day from Alessandro Bronte from Dorigo Rim. He said, you know, patients 90% of the time buy the first frame they handle. And so why not have your optician control that process, um, both to limit how much stuff the patients are touching in your office, but also, you know, it's actually better sales. It's better service to the patient. They don't know. I mean, you give a generic patient 800 frames in your boards, how are they going to know what to buy? What looks good? They don't. Another owner told me the other day, which I thought was really interesting, hey, we've, um, so since we've cleaned all of our frames, our optical looks awesome. Um, now, I don't know how much we're going to sustain aggressively cleaning every frame every time a patient touches it. But, you know, hey, 
presentation of the patients, the visual merchandising, that the, the frames are gleaming, hey, that's a good thing. And maybe that's something we want to look at. How do we continue that? And maybe it's a more frequent, but not you know every time touched thing. But maybe also for curating the frames, it's easy to clean five frames or four if one one sells off the boards, um, and just put them back. So you know, that's a benefit. Maybe we do um, another area that's I, I want to address um, as we've been talking to our members on our um, quarterly now Zoom calls for our study group dinners. Our our local network dinners and events. Um, we've been asking about telehealth because we're really interested in it, I think, as an organization. And I think it's something that does stay at some level. Uh, I think we're, as a profession, and individual doctors are going to figure out where it fits within their scope of care, their standard of care. But I think it is a nice, um, there are obviously other professions where it makes more sense, mental health being an obvious one. Um, where a, a, a video call follow-up is just, it's way more convenient. I mean, for me, not to have to leave my office, leave my house and drive. I can just jump on with a professional. It's great. Parent-teacher conferences this year over Zoom. Great. Just super convenient not to have to go back. But for some, some lower revenue follow-ups where you can do it within um, an appropriate standard of care, why not do it? Probably dramatically reduces your no-show rate because no one has to go anywhere and leave their office. They can just pop on the um, pop on a webcam for five minutes with you and just check in. So, and, and for triage too, I think if there's a, a red eye or something and should I go to the ER, should I go to the optometrist, should I wait, do I need to do something? I think there's a, there's a place for that. Um, and we'll figure out the billing as we go, but, but it's a convenience to our patients for sure that, that may stay with us. So, um, all that to say, I mean, just broadly speaking, we're back up to 60, 70% of a, a national aggregate level. We're back up to 60, 70% of prior volume. I'm talking to practices that are at um, 80 to 85% of January patient volumes. I talked to one practice this week that was running ahead of last May on their revenue. So we are starting to see the recovery happen, which is great. Very excited. I know that other parts of the country are very much shut down, and um, our thoughts and prayers remain with you that you remain safe. Um, and it's, you know, uh, let me tackle one more question I keep getting, which is like, what, what am I missing? What have I not figured out yet? Um, the answer is no one's missing anything. Everyone's trying to figure this out. States like my home state of Georgia um, that have been open, we're still figuring it out. Um, states that are still closed obviously aren't there. States that are just now reopening are starting to feel it out. The, the one thing I'm, I think I can say I'm seeing for states that have been open a little longer, practices that have been open for a couple of weeks is they may have opened up at one patient an hour. Um, for social distancing to give them time to clean up afterwards. I think most of those practices found pretty quickly that this is boring and we don't need to go this slow. And so th there's an idea from Boston Consulting, a fam famous consulting concept called the experience curve that says as you do things, you tend to pretty quickly get better at it and then it kind of levels off at some point. But I think most practices got their pacing down on, on cleaning up pretty quickly and we're able to, to get back to something like their prior patient volume while still maintaining appropriate safety measures. Um, and, and, you know, some parts of the country, just for what it's worth, our, the patients are ready to come back and willing. Other parts, it's a mixed bag. Um, but I think we are in, in a process of feeling out, like, what do we, you know, what's really necessary to um, promote confidence in our patients and our staff to be safe coming in, but also, um, learning that we can, we can be safe and still move at a reasonable pace with our patients. So I hope this sparks some, some thoughts and you of like, 
what, what's some of the good that comes of this? And we could talk about other things like, hey, we built our policy manual. We, you know, redid our frame inventory and re-merchandised everything, which, which are great things to do, but maybe some habits that we're, we're doing now because we have to, that maybe things we want to continue doing and, you know, silver linings for a very difficult time in our, in our nation, our profession's history. Um, so I'll, I will leave it there, but thank you so much. We're, we're here for you as consultants with IDOC, as an organization. We're monitoring what's going on, on the ground very quickly. Um, modestly hopeful about uh, a, a relatively quick recovery for our space, and that's a good thing um, uh, for us. But uh, certainly uh, we're aware that many of you will continue to have um, slow reopenings and struggles, and that you know, there's just a ton of strain right now on families and, and businesses and staffs and patients, all of us. So be safe, um, be hopeful, uh, be curious and learn what works and what you can continue and, and be gracious with your team, with your colleagues, with your patients. It's, it's been a hard season. Um, but uh, again, IDOC's here for you and uh, we are listening and learning and we are doing what we can to disseminate everything we're learning from the field back to you and continue to do so. So thanks so much. Be safe. And I will sign off. This is Nathan Hayes with IDOC.